Hello and welcome to the podcast, Law for the Lay, a new game to play. I'm your host, Clarissa. I'm an Australian lawyer living in the UK and taking on the entertaining challenge with guests on this show to make sense of all the laws that apply to us here on planet Earth as we navigate this game of life. Today's guest is Lavinia Rangel. We managed to record this podcast just before she set off on a trip to spend a week in a remote Amazonian tribe. Now, if you see Lavinia on Instagram or you watch this episode on YouTube, you'll recognize she's a pretty glamorous human, and I was actually shocked to find out where she was going and how remote it was, but it's all for good intentions, as although she's a businesswoman and an in-house lawyer by trade, she also has a master degree in environmental law. So she's taking the time to discover more about what we can do to help the Amazonian jungle from an environmental perspective, which to her growing up in Brazil was referred to as the lungs of the world. Lavinia later in life ventured to Australia from Brazil to learn English in 2004, which I personally think would be the hardest thing in the world to navigate, a whole new language and a whole new legal system. She then impressively qualified as a lawyer as well in Australia, and since then has continued to build her legal career, becoming an expert in contracts and discovering where she can help people using her legal skills. During the pandemic, she founded Rangel Law, a virtual legal services provider that has the goal to provide business-related legal services in a streamlined, straightforward, clear, simple, affordable, mostly fixed-priced and humanized manner, which was music to my ears. I love that kind of innovation in Lawland. She does all this whilst also full-time employed as a senior legal counsel to an ASX-listed Australian company. By nature, Lavinia is a fun professional with a great sense of humor and was a delight to speak to you for this episode. I look forward to you hearing our chat on the importance of contracts and what I learned from the little mermaid. Hello, Lavinia, and thank you so much for joining us here on Law for the Lay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, there is many things I'm sure that you love in life between all your passion projects and your beautiful daughter, but what is something silly that you love? I don't know if I would say it's silly because I love it so much. Um, I like to lift heavy objects. So Heavy objects. <laughs> Expand on this. What kind of heavy objects? The barbell. The barbell. I, I uh, do CrossFit. So, um, oh, you're a CrossFit bunny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm deadlifting 115 kgs and my goal is 150 before I'm 50. So oh my I better God. hurry up. That is insane. That is incredible. Well done. That yeah, is, you'll be nearly yeah. lifting three of me, <laughs> which is crazy when you think of I like hope, the size of a tree. I, hope I get there. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah it's, uh, it's my therapy. It's where I feel um, that I, again, I, I thrive, push myself outside my comfort zone, learn new skills. We have gymnastics, we have the cardio nearly kills you every time, never gets any easier. <laughs> So it's where, yeah, it's it's my mental health uh, escape. I love it. That's great. The topic of today's podcast, going into the, the more serious end of the legal stuff, which has to be done, is that The Little Mermaid, uh, the Disney film, taught me to take contracts seriously. Now, this is something I've thought about probably for years, although I saw it when I was a kid, but it actually made me scared about contracts because it's obviously um, something you watch as a child and when you enter into adulthood contracts can be a pretty daunting thing particularly the first one I signed I think I was 16 years old and taking on a job um, in an ice cream store so uh, when I became a lawyer I then discovered that it's actually an empowerment tool 
and it can be used as something that can balance out the interest between the parties. It can provide you with um, some stability and which, you know, to the point of this podcast, allows you to have more fun in life if you know where you stand on things. So when it comes to The Little Mermaid, for anyone who doesn't have a background understanding on what happened in that situation, and it's completely fictional, obviously, but uh, Ariel is a mermaid. She gets really angry at her dad and enters into a contract with a sea witch called Ursula. And the contract pretty much stipulates that Ariel will give up her beautiful voice to the sea witch um, in trade for getting legs so that she can walk on land. Um, And within three days, she has to get a kiss from Prince Eric, who's a bit of a dish. And so it's quite a compelling contract for Ariel to sign. If she gets the guy in the end, then that's great. But if she doesn't get this kiss from Prince Eric or the love of her life, um, she essentially goes to prison in perpetuity for the rest of her life. She gets to be this really ugly creature. So it's a quite terrifying concept for a kid. And I was looking it up on Google last night and I was like, surely I'm not the only lawyer that's thought about this. And it turns out there are lawyers all over the world that have done analysis on The Little Mermaid and the contract that she signs with Ursula. (laughs) And all these lawyers from like the US, the UK, Australia, and it was like they were all just critiquing just how crappy the situation was for Ariel. One guy was saying that there was like a jurisdictional problem with King Trident being like, no, he was a king. He should have been able to destroy that contract with his magical trident, (laughs) which was absurd, but I love it. And then another lady was saying because she was a minor, that contract should have been void. Um, Some other people were saying that we were unfair contract terms. I mean, going to jail is for forever for not fulfilling a contract within three days is pretty heavy stuff. Um, So not to mention also Ursula, as another party to the contract, kept interfering and um, making it almost virtually impossible for Ariel to fulfil the part of the contract. So, one, I was super excited Mm. to know that there's other lawyers out in the world that think in the wacky way that I do and like to apply these sort of situations to normal life. But, you know, Lavinia, you are a contract specialist. You're um, a businesswoman and entrepreneur in this area. Can you explain for our audience what is the importance of having a tangible contract, whether it's digital or in a physical format? So as we both know, um, a contract you need to have someone offering something, someone interested in accepting what's being offered and paying um, the consideration, as we call under the contract law, in return to what's being received. Um, but to formalize that relationship, it's what the piece of paper, the contract will come into the party, no pun intended, to do. <laughs> so to me, I understand contract as um, a document that will set up the expectations. So the supplier knows how it has to be supplied, when, in what condition to achieve what performance, what's the goal, and the receiver, the purchaser, knows when it's coming, in what shape it's coming, in what quantity it's coming, when when it's going to be delivered, and how does he or she needs to pay for it. So the expectations, the dot, the dots, the bullet points are uh, in front of them, on the table, rather than... because. What you sometimes imagine in your mind, and even when you verbalize it, the other party might be interpreting what you're saying differently. And they still might be uh, in good faith um, acting against what you have 
agreed to them verbally. So the contract makes things a bit more clear, um, puts all the cards on the table for the parties. And that's, that's the very obvious aspect of the contract. I think contract also carries an emotional charge to it. Because when the parties enter into an agreement, it's a legal document. So I think it changed behavior in a way as well. You feel automatically more bound to it when you sign a document that tells you that you have to do this, this, and that. So by formalizing the behavior around it changes. Um, how easy is to enforce a contract? Not always very easy right? Depending on the value and you have to hire. For me, I'm, I've been um, in the corporate field all my, my career so far. I started as a paralegal. Contracts chose me. I didn't choose contracts. <laughs> and now Still trying I, to shake them off. I, I love it. I enjoy it. <laughs> it's never going off. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's true though, because as a paralegal was my first job in Australia, paralegal job while I was doing my law degree um, and was contracts coming out of my ears and that has never changed. It's still here. So I think that the, the, the emotional aspect is always there and there is the commercial aspect. So I joke with my internal customers, the people that I advise within the business um, sphere that I have two hats and I think it's really important for a contracts lawyer um, I've never been a law firm lawyer. Now I'm running my own business on the side, but I'm always going to be a lot commercial. It's it's within me. I love business. I love seeing people doing business. So you do need to have that commercial hat on to be able to navigate through the risks so you minimize the risks without compromising the deal that is in front of you, right? Um, you give what you can without um, exposing yourself into a risk that you don't want to take. So it's that, it's that balance, that seesaw where you can't be too rigid and wanting to protect, overprotect yourself because doing business, there's always, there's always a risk attachment to it. But you go into the risk that is, it's a risk that you can take, yeah? that you have measures in place that will will make it doable to take those risks. Exactly. So it sends out a, a commercial roadmap. So out of curiosity, what can go uh, wrong if you don't have a um, contract in place between parties who are doing whether commercial dealings, employment relationships, maybe even just simple transactions? So many things could go wrong, but things that haven't been discussed that the parties aren't very aware of what the expectations are. So they might discuss, okay, I'm selling A to you, you paying that amount of money, and they don't even discuss, so it hasn't been contemplated without trying to bring the, the, the uh, most famous case, I'm not gonna say case names, let's keep it simple, <laughs> but the consequential loss case. Um, so the parties might have not contemplated that loss. And then when the mm -hmm. loss is in front of them, they go, well, but um, how come you done that to me? Well, I didn't expect that you had that, um, that exposure. So I'll give you an example, a very simple example. 
um, we um, I'm part of this group on Facebook and on purpose I don't um, step into giving my opinion because as you know once you become a lawyer you don't have opinion anymore every time you open your mouth it's a legal <laughs> advice right <laughs> yeah so I'm very much telespectator I watch them uh, discussing things and it's a group that has thousands of of girls it's a group that is only for girls um, and they discuss all sorts of, of subjects, as you would imagine, from relationship to work and so forth. Just so life. the other day, this girl, she got asked to go and do a babysitting job, right? Which they are all students most of the time. So they do uh, waitressing, babysitting, cleaning, that sort of uh, kind of blue color, but... Um, easily accessible. We don't need to have a, a, a good English kind of thing because they're here to learn the language. So it's very, very um, common kind of activities for them, commercial activities. Um, so this girl said, look, um, she wanted to know the opinion of the other girls that also do babysitting very often or other girls that have been doing for longer than her. So she wanted to know how to handle the situation she had in front of her. Um, so she got asked to do a babysitting for this family. And when she turned up, um, she was hired for to look after two kids. And she was warned that there was going to be a dog as well, just in case she had any issues with, with it. Um, so she gave the price. They asked her for the amount of hours they need her to be there for. Uh, they said she would have to just finish cooking, preparing some meals that they would leave half um, done for her. So there were, there were a couple of um, terms of that agreement um, in place. But when she turned up, there were three kids and two dogs, right? And you know when there's an external child with siblings, things can get very animated and lots of fun, <laughs> yeah. but she had to handle that. And Sounds the dogs exhausting. came to the party as well. She was, she was. And she said, look, um, it was very hard to control them all. It was like a party. And <laughs> I want to know how do I handle, do I, do I need, do I need to get paid more for, because mm -hmm. I did more work than what has been agreed upon. Um, do I charge um, an extra an extra amount per hourly rate that I have agreed upon? Or do I put a surcharge at the end? How do I handle this? How do I have this conversation with the person who hired me? How do I yeah. approach? And which is a contract negotiation she was going to have to do. It, it is, Explain yeah. why um, the scope of work has um, increased and she was entitled to, to get paid more for it. So that's one very simple, and I, I'm working on preparing a document for them, which in, I'm trying to make really simple. One page, at the bottom of the page, I'll have about five clauses. We will stipulate payment terms. So do they get paid in advance or do they get paid at the end? Um, the limitation of liability as well, because they're not hired as, the, they haven't been asked if they have first aid course or, so what happens if a child falls and cut themselves or hurt themselves? Um, 
So she has to be that it has to be delimited what is expected from the parents for her and what she's able to deliver. So I put a few little um, major, not little, because the, the 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 most important provisions of a contract in there. And, and on top of it, the, the um, schedule where she can put all the particulars for that, for that uh, relationship that is being created. And that's a contract. Right? That's a very simple contract, but it's an example of what wouldn't have been gone wrong or awkward in this case if she has had written on a piece of paper and specified. I think it's more about setting out the, the expectations um, and clarity. And and to have, um, you know, something to fall back on if in the event that they that she does say, hey, well, hang on, we initially agreed on two kids and one dog and now there's three kids and two dogs, it's a little bit different. You know, you're increasing the labour here. Um, and, you know, at least with a contract she can fall back on that and say, please see the attached that we agreed, more than happy to negotiate it, but... At the end of the day, this was the initial terms. And it sort of, it can be an empowerment thing for someone to have that um, to their aid when they need it. For sure. And it, it makes the relationship more professional as well, which I will be, when I, when I put that towards them, explaining to them that um, even though they probably thinking, oh, this is not a business, right? But it is business because <laughs> it is a business. you're getting paid to do a job and yes. um, the both of the jobs are um, very has a very sensitive side to it because one you taking care of the most precious asset of any human being, which is the, the, the children, children. <laughs> and the other one is cleaning your house. So it's um, it's your nest that they are looking yeah. after. Right? Yeah. So both of them are close to anyone's heart and I think would be interesting to and also gives a feeling of more professionalism um I would if I I have a 10 year old girl so if I call a babysitter and she say any can approach in a very a very friendly and a very flexible manner it doesn't have to be formal but you say look yes of course I can take care of your child do you mind to give me your email address I'll send you a little um a proposal with talking a bit about me of who I am and what I have to offer and then there is the the small contract you know um so it makes makes um the the pathway is a lot clear i think that's what contract will do will will uh, avoid um unnecessary hiccups we say that we in in the company that I work for, we have the saying that the contract is made for the divorce, not for the marriage. So you do oh. a contract, you want to put in a jaw and not, not touch <laughs> it again. If, you, if you're picking it up, it's because something not quite... <laughs> Happy. Oh, I love that quote. It's um, I uh, gave a, a bit of a best man speech at my brother's wedding, and I was like, "This is the most romantic contract you're ever gonna sign." <laughs> so, I love the tone <laughs> of that. That's great. <laughs> oh, okay, so yeah, onto onto just the last question for you today, because I know that you're very very busy prepping for a big trip. 
But in terms of contracts all around the world, because my audience is based all around the world, people are from all sorts of different jurisdictions, different legal systems and so on, are contracts the same all around the world or should be, people be paying attention to them wherever they're living, whether they're moving, different business areas and so on? Clarissa, I don't think they are the same, unfortunately. You know, uh, law, look, law is the, because I did the changeover in Australia, right? I came here to learn English. I was already a lawyer in Brazil, and then I did my law degree at Sydney Uni again, um, my Australian law degree. And law is very attached to the history and the politics of that country, right? So the that will affect every area of law and contracts is not different. I give you an example. A contract in Brazil is very different than a contract in Australia and again, different than in the US. Um, the US is always too tough on the other party. So if you contract with a, an American company, Australia is much more in the fair line, right? Interesting. Um, Interesting. American is like my way or the highway normally. <laughs> For example, when they have inco terms, the insurance terms, um, very often in America is um, X works from the gate of the factory. You're still in American land and you need to insure from that gate onwards. In Australia, we do free on board a lot. So when it gets on the boat, it's on the sea, it will be your responsibility, right? Okay. So I find Australian a lot more, as we are, we behave that way. We are more laid back. People. Yeah. I say we Fair because go. I've been here for 18 years. So I yeah. think I have a bit of Australian. <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, in Brazil, for example, because it's such a heavily bureaucratic country, um, the law system in Brazil is beautiful and very well done, very clever, but with a very poor um, application. So the contracts are hideously long, lengthy and overly complicated. So it's, it's scary because you have to read everything. Otherwise, you miss something that you don't want to miss. So the, the approach to contracting, which is a very much um, close relationship, um, is different because it reflects the culture, reflects the economy a lot, reflects the politics. It really goes to that importance, isn't it, of having more simplified contracts for people. Um, and, look, I completely agree with you on the American contracts I've read so far. They're long-winded. There's not many sentences if you're trying to read it all over one cup of coffee, you're like, okay, take a breath. <laughs> Whereas in Australian contracts are very uh, simplified in a lot of ways. Um, and as a personal scenario, I had literally a few weeks ago some friends here in London that were negotiating a rent review with the tenancy contract. And um, you could see the power imbalance between the landlord and them as tenants um, here in London. And I'll be doing a podcast episode on rent reviews um, later. But it is one of those things where I just, I felt for them because I was like, I really wish I'd been able to see this contract before you signed it or at least to articulate to other people things to be careful of before you sign a contract. And, you know, you should definitely get legal advice. Mm -hmm. like, like with you, 
and your, your friends who are based in cleaning and babysitting, these are all essential day-to-day -day things that we're all trying to navigate. And it really just goes to show the importance of having something in writing and something that people can rely on. So, Lavinia, thank yeah. you so much for joining me here on Law for the Lay and for our guests and sharing your pearls of wisdom. And we wish you all the best on your amazing journey in the Amazon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. joining us here at Law for the Lay. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to swing it around your social circles and feel free to connect with me on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube at Law for the Lay. I'm always open to your feedback and content suggestions. Please also remember this disclaimer that no Law for the Lay content should be taken as legal advice. This is simply general information intended for educative purposes. Laws change all the time and your personal circumstances may apply differently to what is discussed. So always do your research and contact a legal professional if you need assistance. In the meantime, look after yourself, look after each other, and let's have a good time.